stand in the way of its synergies, or sit in the company of persons, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on its law from day low night. that when you have a beat like that how can you not move come on good morning everyone who prayed for 40 degrees less than yesterday I thank you I actually love the cold weather (laughs) yeah I uh I love fall and I love winter so it was a huge change though yeah I love I almost wore my beanie today I was telling these guys over here I was like I think I need to wear it they would mess up this thing so Welcome, welcome. So glad to be here. Welcome to to those of you who are online. I'm just really glad that you're here. Today, um, we're going to talk about Psalm 139. Anybody familiar with it? Yes, a few of you? Well, you guys, I'm so excited to talk to you about this today. Psalm 139 is probably my favorite, if not one of my favorite psalms, because it points to God in a way that no other psalm does. It talks about his ultimate majesty, his power, his omniscience, his omnipresence, his omnipotence, and even his omnibenevolence. Say that five times really fast. And King David, he was the one who wrote this psalm. He wrote over half the psalms that we know of, and he was known as the sweet psalmist of Israel because he was considered a divine poet. He wrote hundreds of songs and hymns. In fact, if you didn't know it, Psalm 139 was meant to be sung. So I'm going to sing. No. <laughs> I want you all to stick around for a few minutes so I won't break out in song, I promise. But this was meant to be sung, um, I mean, sung as a form of worship. So as I read it, just think about that, okay? But this is David's ultimate proclamation of who God is and his relationship to us. So before I dig in and read it, and, and it's long, so we're going we're gonna to power through. It's 24 verses, and then I'm going to break it down in six verses at a time. And at the end, I hope to tell you just a little story, okay? That's all right with you. But I just want to say, I'm going to take like 30 seconds to talk about me. Just kidding. <laughs> well, yes and no. <laughs> Jody, <laughs> Jody asked me a while ago, she said, can you, you know, what's the psalm you want to preach on, talk about? And of course, Psalm 139 was one of them. And as time went on and this, this uh, series, we're at the end of this series. Hasn't it been awesome? Yes. yes. Aren't the Psalms beautiful, yes. powerful? Um, so it came to the end of the, the series. And she's like, how about closing out the series on October 23rd? I'm like, October 23rd. So it was my birthday this week. And that's, that's not the reason I'm saying this. But here's, no, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I'm like, this is a gift to me. It really was because I thought... I get to go back and reread what David talked about 3,000 years ago. And it still applies to my life today. And it applies to each of your lives today. Amen? And it was that that gift to me. I'm like, oh, yay, on my birthday, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. So as are each of you. Amen? Do you know that? If you don't know that, you're going to know that today. Okay? Okay, so I'm going to power through. And this is going to be, I'm going to read it in the New King James I know some of you might think that's, oh, it's kind of, you know, older English, but it's what I've been reading for over 30 years. It's, it's what's affected me. So bear with me. We're going to do it. 
and then we're going to break it down in the New Living Translation just to shake things up. You ready? Okay, it's long. Here we go. We're going to pray first. God, Holy Spirit, thank you that you are in this place. Thank you that you are here to pour out your love, your grace, your mercy, your transforming power today. So we just commit this time to you, Lord. Speak through me. That which doesn't need to be said, let me not say it. And that which needs to be said, let me say it, Lord. We just give this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, here we go. Buckle your seats. Or your seatbelts, right? Seatbelts. Okay, here we go. Oh, Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thought afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down. You are acquainted with all my ways. For, is there, for there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You have hedged me in behind and before and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where can I go from your spirit or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall be light around me, Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you, but the night shines as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to you. That's a trip, isn't it? For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret, and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book, they were all written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. When as yet there were none of them. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. Here's a departure. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God. Depart from me, therefore, you bloodthirsty men, for they speak against you wickedly. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate them, O Lord, who hate you? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with perfect hatred. I count them my enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties and see if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Woo! Is that not a magnificent portion of scripture? Does that just not get you right here? So I'm going to work through this six verses at a time. We're not going to do any kind of deep intellectual thing, but we're just going to take a look at his attributes. And it's kind of cool. As I was reading it and studying it, I saw that for the first 18 verses, six at a time, it talked about omniscience, omnipresence, and omnipotence. So can we do that today? All right. So we're going to get started now. Just to switch it up, 
It's easy to read and a little easier to understand. I'm going to read it in the New Living Translation. So if you have your Bibles or your phones and you care to read it in that, here we go. You ready? All right, so let's start this again and let's see what the Lord has to say to us. Oh Lord, you've examined my heart. You know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I am going to say even before I say it, Lord. Oof. You go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. You guys, David straight up acknowledges that God is the master and the king of the universe. That no matter what you do, no matter where he went, no matter what he does, that nothing escapes the Lord. <laughs> Think about how many times you sat down and got up today just in this service alone. <laughs> where you went, where you rested, what you did and what you said. What you said. God was fully aware even before you said it. And even the things we don't say out loud. Do we do that? We have a lot of stuff in here that we don't say out loud. God is fully aware. Remember the story of Abraham and Sarah? I'm going to recap it for you just a little bit, just to give you an example. So it was 25 years after the Lord had instructed Abraham and Sarah to leave their, their hometown of Haran. They ended up in Canaan. A lot of detours, a lot of different layers of the story, but we're going to tell this little one today. It's hot, it's dusty. They have a tent out in the middle of nowhere. Abraham's sitting outside, and he sees three men coming towards him. And if you study it, it is actually God himself. It's the Lord and two angels in the form of human beings. Isn't that cool? They're in the form of men. They're coming towards him. He's like, hey, come on over. Let me refresh you. Let me make something for you to eat. So he tells Sarah, who's in the tent, he says, hey, get together some bread. I want you to make it for these guys. Put a little charcuterie board together. And then, oh, yeah. And then he went to talk to his servant, and he said, hey, prepare this calf. We have these amazing guests. So they did that. And while they were eating, they said, hey, where's, where's, your, where's your wife? Where's Sarah? And he's like, oh, she's in the tent behind us. They couldn't see her, but she was behind there. And so then the Lord says, I'm going to return to her according to the time of life. And next year, she's going to have a son. Or according to the time of life. It wasn't a whole year, but, you know, she's going to have a son. And Sarah's behind, and she's listening to this. And the word says that she says to herself, <laughs> she laughed within herself, saying, after I've grown old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also? So this is something she said to herself behind the tent where she wasn't seen. And the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? Saying, shall I surely bear a child since I am old? Is anything too hard for me? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return at the appointed time and she will have a son. But Sarah denied it. I didn't laugh for she was afraid. And he said, no, but you did laugh. Oh, ouch. How many of us want to be Sarah? lying to the Lord like that. <laughs> and then he calls us out. But we do it, don't we, sometimes? Do we lie to the Lord or do we 
aren't, we're not honest with him. He knows, but that's all right. He still loves us. Same thing with the paralytic in Matthew 9. His friends brought him in. Jesus saw their faith, and he said, your sins are forgiven. The teachers of the law said to themselves, this is blasphemy. Who does he he think he is, God? And the word says that Jesus knew, or in other translations, Jesus saw what they were thinking. Jesus sees what we think. And he asked them, why do you have such evil thoughts in your hearts? Is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or stand up and walk? He called them out for their thoughts, for their evil thoughts that were against him. Now, don't be afraid. It gets better. God sees the intents of our heart. But because of who he is, there's a great, great ending. David also talked to his his son about it. He said, serve the Lord wholeheartedly and with a willing mind, for the Lord searches every heart and understands the intention of every thought. God knows all, he sees all, and nothing escapes his purview, you guys. So let me ask you, is that scary? Is that intimidating? Is that annoying? Or is it amazing and comforting? Is it something that you're grateful for? Amen. To all of them, that's right. That's right. So you don't need to raise your hand, but this is just food for thought. How many of you here would say you have maybe five people in your life that know you really intimately, know you really well? You don't have to raise your hands, but it's just something to think about. Five, maybe three people, maybe one person that knows you that well. The good, the bad, the ugly. Y'all, it is important to our well-being and growth to be known by someone who loves us and is for us in spite of everything they know about us. Amen? Amen. It can be your best friend. It can be your spouse for some of us. But I'm telling you guys, if you think they know you like no other, there's one that knows you even better. There's one that knows you deeper. There's one that knows everything in the deep recesses of your mind and your heart. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ. He knows everything Think about this. He knows everything. Go back to your childhood. Go back to the wonderful things that you went through and the terrible things that you went through. He was there with you. He knows it all. He's aware of the wonderful things that we say about people. And he's aware about the terrible things that we say about people. I hope that's not often, yeah? I hope it's never. Don't we want to get to a place in our Christian walk where we don't see terrible, say terrible things about people, but we think the best, and even when people hurt us, and even when people betray us, that we take it to the Lord. He knows the beautiful things that you think about your spouse, but he also knows the unfaithful things that we think toward our spouse. Is that hard to hear? Is it true sometimes? Nobody. Woo. Okay. Wow. All right. Well, it's true. It happens. We're human. Or maybe we just don't think as well of our spouse as we ought. But God's with us. He knows. He knows us when we speak the truth, and we knows, he knows us when we lie through our teeth. And all the while, 
he's there. And sometimes that makes us scared because we think God won't love us. God won't accept us. But let's go back and look at verses five and six. David says, you go before me and you follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. So in spite of everything that he knows about you, in spite of the things that you think that aren't so pretty, in spite of those things in the dark that we think or do, God still is with us. Amen. He's the kind of God. I love uh, in one translation, uh, CSB, it says he encircles us. Isn't that beautiful? He encircles us. Another translation says he hems us in from behind and before. And I, I use that when I pray for people a lot because it's the truth. He does. He goes with us. And I like to pray that for people to remind them that God is with them. So even in spite of all that, he lays his hand of blessing upon us. Isn't that beautiful? So that talks about his omniscience. So verses 7 through 12, his omnipresence, which means he's everywhere at the same time, universally present. Does that blow your mind? It still blows my mind. Every time I think about it, I'm like, okay, I'm one person. You know everything about me. There's 8 billion people. How do you do that, Lord? He just does. He's just, he is who he is. I am who I am, he says. Verses 7 through 12. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. There he goes again. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night, but even in darkness I cannot hide from you. To you the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you. Wow. There God goes again. Not only does he perceive and know every intent of your heart, but he's with you wherever you go. You just can't escape him. No matter how hard you try, there is no place that God's knowledge and power do not extend. Do you know the story of Jonah? Okay, you guys, here's a dude <laughs> that literally tried to go to the farthest end of the ocean, right? So just to give you a little recap, just a short snippet so we can see a little example of that. God told him, he's like, look, you got to go to Nineveh and you got to preach against them because their wickedness is great. And I want you to warn them. Anyone know what Jonah does? It says, Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. <laughs> flee from the Lord. You guys. And the new, no, I just thought of I'd say it that way because I think it's funny. But the New Living Translation says, but Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. Who knows that didn't end well? <laughs> Who wants to do that? <laughs> Who wants to run in the opposite way of the Lord or flee? We feel like it sometimes, but it's not a good idea. I don't recommend it. It's not wise. So he gets on the ship. And God just hurls this huge wind, brings on this violent storm, so much so that the ship feels like it's going to break apart. 
Sailors are scared. They start praying to their gods. They start throwing stuff overboard. Nothing happens. Captain comes down because Jonah's sleeping. He's like, I'm going to hide out. I'm going to rest. No one's going to see me. So he comes down and says, get up, man. Don't you know what's going on? Maybe you can pray to your God and maybe he'll help. And Jonah knew what was going on. He's like, yep, it's my God. And he already told the sailors when he got on board, why he did this, I don't know. But he told them ahead of time, I'm running away from God. <laughs> so they, at that point, they're like, okay, what are we going to do with you? So they cast lots, you know, found out, yeah, it's him. He said, throw me overboard. They say, no, we're going to row. We're going to do it. We're going to get back. Didn't work. So finally, in desperation, they threw him overboard. And guess what happened? The seas calmed down. I mean, just like that. God's power. He couldn't escape the Lord. But guess what happened after that? God sent a fish to swallow Jonah. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? He's like, no, you can't get away from me, but just in case. The word says he prepared a fish. Another translation says he arranged. I was laughing so hard when I was reading this. I'm like, what did you do, Lord? Like, hey, fish, there's this dude over there. I want you to go and eat. I don't know. What does it mean when God prepares a fish to go and swallow somebody? I'm just imagining like, you're going to find this guy in the ocean. Go get him. I mean, don't chew him up too badly because I need him to live, you know? I mean, I just, I was laughing. It's just my own weird sense of humor. But seriously, like, what does that mean? God spoke to the fish. So, God, so the fish came along. What would you do if you saw this fish coming, this whale? Let's just say it was a whale. What would you do if you saw him coming for you? I'm out. <laughs> Take me now, Jesus. But he swallowed him, and he was in the belly of this fish for three days and three nights. I don't even know how he survived, except by the grace of God, right? Because God wasn't done with Jonah yet. If you're not dead, God's not done with you. So he's, I just, oh, just all the ends, oh, I don't know. I don't know how he did it, but God kept him. But here's the cool part. It says in Jonah 2, it says, From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God, and he said, In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, into the currents that swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. And then lower in, in uh, verse 6, He's saying, to the roots of the mountain I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. Can you imagine that feeling that you're, that you're going to die? That you don't think there's any hope? In the fish, no less. But you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. Again, God put him in that position because he says, you can't get away from me. I gave you an instruction. I told you what to do. I asked you to obey and go and talk to these people. You ran, so I had to get your attention. So I sent a fish. So he sent a fish. But what's cool about that is even in the midst of that, like it says in verse, verse 10, even there in the belly of a fish, in our darkest places, in our darkest moments, when we think there's no help, no hope when we're going to die. Even there, your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. 
I could ask the darkness to hide me, just like he was in the darkness, yeah? But God came and illuminated. He met him right there in the darkness when he cried out to God. You guys getting a a sense of a pattern here? God loves us, and he will run after us. He will pursue us, even when we put ourselves in the most ridiculous, hurtful, tragic situations. Amen? All right. You know, when David went through a lot of dark times, and I think that's why he talked about being in the darkness, asking the darkness to hide him, but realizing that the darkness and the light were alike to God. How many people have had dark moments, dark times, dark seasons? And what takes us there? So many different things. Could be our own doing. Could be someone else's doing. But God is faithful. He comes and meets us in the dark, and he illuminates our path. All right, verses 13 through 18, his omnipotence, which means maximal greatness, perfection, and power. Who wants that? I don't. But we watch all those those superhero movies and think we do want that kind of power, yeah? It's kind of cool to watch in the movies. All right, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous, how well I know it. You guys think about this as I'm reading this, okay? Think about yourself. Think about how God created you. Hmm. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God? They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, you are still with me. Is that not beautiful? No? You don't think so? I think it's beautiful and I think it's mind-blowing when I read those words about myself or about my kids. The God is the maker of the universe. Do you know that there are, right now, I looked this up, <laughs> according to space.com, 200 billion galaxies. I can't even fathom that. That, we, that are estimated. So he made 200 billion galaxies that we can't even see. And the God of the universe who did that chose your eye color. He chose the size of your ears and the size of your nose, your lips, your hair color. He did all that while he was knitting you in your mama's womb. Isn't that amazing? He did all that and then he does all this. The word woven in verse 15 is from the Hebrew word rakam. And this term refers to the skill of an embroiderer or someone skilled in needlework. Isn't that cool? It's just so intricate. And God does that with each of us. God's creation of the human body in the womb is not only a masterpiece, but it's a design and workmanship. And then I saw another, um, another definition above it that said rakam was to variegate and to mix colors. Isn't that cool? Look at all of us in this room. We're a variation of colors and ethnicities 
and races and just different shapes and forms. It's no wonder that's what that means. God had it all in mind. Heaven's going to be so cool. Who else do you know that can create human life? Anybody? Any? Anybody? God created the first man from the dust of the earth. And he created his wife, Eve, from his side. And from there, he and he alone designed conception and gestation as the miracle that leads to birth. Nobody else could do that. Nobody else. Nobody else could create the earth the way he created it. And can I tell you the Big Bang Theory? Sorry to disappoint. Not a thing. So not a thing. You look around and you can't deny that the mountains and the hills and the flowers and the trees and everything that you see was the work of a creator. Amen? You know, when I think of my own kids, when my husband Doug and I prayed before they were even conceived, it blows my mind that God had already answered our prayers before the foundation of the world. He already knew what he was doing. Ephesians 1, 4 through 5 says, Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. Isn't that amazing? Not only for yourselves, but for the kids that we have or the kids that we want to have. He's already chosen them. He's already created them in his mind. And at the right time, if that is his will, he'll bring them into this world. I just find that, I don't know, it humbles me. Doug and I had, um, let's see, two miscarriages before each of our boys were born. And so that disappointment, um, you know, before we actually conceived and had Mitchell and Noah, it was great. But God knew what he was doing. And I'm going to go on a limb here, but he knew each of those little ones when they were conceived. Even though they didn't come to full term, he knew them. And he loved them. Do you agree with me on that? That's good. Because he knows each one at conception. All right, we're going to go into the last um, six verses. How are we doing on time? Doing all right? Okay. So this takes a little bit of a turn, and we'll just touch on it a little bit, and then I'm going to tell you a little story. So David goes on. He's just, he's just proclaiming God's goodness. He's proclaiming God's power, his majesty, his omniscience, his omnipresence. And then he goes into this. Oh God, if only you would destroy the wicked. Get out of my life, you murderers. They blaspheme you. Your enemies misuse your name. Oh Lord, shouldn't I hate those who hate you? Shouldn't I despise those who oppose you? Yes, I hate them with total hatred. For your enemies are my enemies. Woo. Why do you think he threw that in there? Why do you think he goes to from proclaiming God's goodness and, and, and who he is and his power, and then he goes to that. Any thoughts? I believe that in understanding who he was, not fully, but just understanding his power and his grace and his majesty, he realized that there's nothing else 
that can come close and that you either love God and acknowledge God or you don't. And I think upon understanding that, he's like, anybody who doesn't acknowledge God the way I'm understanding him doesn't need to be around. He saw anybody that didn't acknowledge God as his enemies. Do you see that? He said, you're wicked. You don't see God for all he is. You don't see God in his majesty and power. You don't see that he has your life in his hands. You're not humble enough to acknowledge that. He's like, okay, you're the enemy. You don't need to be around. That was his emotion. It's called an imprecatory psalm, which basically means you call down a divine curse on those who don't agree or who don't align with the word of God. I don't want to do that, but David did. I'll let him do that. But then here's how he ends. So I want to make sure before I move on, does that make sense that he did that? No? It's it kind of mind-blowing, huh? It just, it's kind of in there. But it's something that came up him through emotion. He was emotional about it. He just said, anyone who doesn't see God that way is my enemy. So this is how he ends. And I want you to hear this part. So he comes to the end of that. He's calling curses down on God's enemies. And then he humbles himself because he realizes, man, I'm no different sometimes. I'm human just like they are. And he says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Anybody prayed that prayer? So it was 1980, whew, 81, 81, 82, 82, 83, 83, 84. Okay, 1984. And uh, after my junior year in um, college, and I was in Hong Kong with uh, YWAM. Shout out for YWAM. Yeah, they're awesome. If you, don't, uh, if you ever get a chance to go on a mission trip with YWAM, do it. It's awesome. So this is after a day of ministering and sharing the gospel with the people. And uh, we came together, the guys and the gals come together at the end of the day, and we have dinner together, and you know, we kind of download. And I was just feeling this, this discontentment. I was feeling this, gosh, Lord, I need to be with Jesus. He was doing so much in my life. I had just been saved for a very short time. And uh, so I took my Bible, and in Hong Kong, they have these tall, tall buildings. I don't know how many stories it was. I'm going to guess 10, 12. But I went up to the top of this building. I kind of quietly excused myself from dinner. I went up to the top of the building, had my Bible, and there was this full moon. It was beautiful. So it was just the light of the moon on the top of this building on the roof. And in the background, I could just see the outline of, of the mountains, and I until I moved here, I hadn't seen mountains like that. So it was really cool when we moved here. And I was in this verse. I was living in this verse. You know, I had gotten saved from so many things. God was so good to me. He, he pulled me out of just um, a lifestyle, just, you know, a worldly lifestyle. Anybody relate? 
But so I knew I was, I knew that he had forgiven me. I had no doubt of my salvation. I was moving forward in my walk with God. And so I was at this point where I was like, Lord, I just want to grow. I want everything you have for me. I want to be all that I can be. So search me, oh God. And I had my Bible open to this verse. And I had it highlighted. And I was literally crying in, in, in the silence, in the black of the night, with just the, just the moon, moonlight. And I kept repeating this. Search me, oh God. And no, I did it in the New King James, though. Search me, oh God. And no, my heart, test me, Lord, test me. I really wanted him to to search me and show me. So I'm just sitting there. I'm just sitting there. Tears are coming down my face. And finally, in the quiet, he said, you murdered your babies. And it was a, it was a true statement. I had had two abortions when I was 18. And I had swept them under the rug. Um, never in my life thought I would do that. But you get put in that situation. This is no excuse. But you get put in a situation and your selfishness, the inconvenience of what that would do to your life. I was just about to go back to college And a bit of a performance-oriented household I grew up in, not in a bad way, just very competitive. I grew up in sports, playing tennis my whole life, and we're just very competitive. We always wanted to be the best, do the best, and everything. And I hate to say that it wasn't convenient because it sounds so trite, but I couldn't make that mistake. Two of the most selfish things I've ever done in my life. But God spoke to me, and he said it with clarity, and he said it with truth, but he wasn't condemning. And I sat there, and the weight of that, the weight of that, but you know what he said? I don't know how much time went by. I, don't, I honestly don't know. But as I was continuing to cry, and the weight of that sin that I hadn't dealt with, that I had swept under the rug and kind of moved on with my life. But I want to tell you something. I was a wreck all those years. Emotionally, I was a wreck, and I didn't know why. And that was one of the main reasons, because I had not dealt with what I had done. But after he said that to me, and I'm sitting there with the weight of that, of my own sin, he said, but I love you, and I have forgiven you, my grace is sufficient for you. Wow. That moment changed my life forever. Because when we are caught in our sin or when we come face to face with our sin, there's either guilt or condemnation or maybe just conviction. But God wants us to know that's not the end of the story. If we turn to him, which I had done right at that time, by the way. If we turn to him and acknowledge our sin, when we cry out to Jesus acknowledging that he is God and he's the one that laid his life down for us, then God says, yes, 
I have forgiven you. And so that moment when the weight of my sin was weighing on me, and yet the love and the tender mercies and grace of God and forgiveness of God poured out on me, I was transformed forever. And it took me a few years to really be able to walk in that forgiveness, that total forgiveness that I knew God had forgiven me. It took me several years, but I kept going to the altar. I kept telling the Lord, I know you've forgiven me. I know your blood covers me. I know I'm a new creation in Christ, and I am. I am. And I can talk about that story with no shame. And I know back when we first moved here, we had a a life group, and I'd share that story. And one of my Christian sisters came up to me and said, how can you call yourself a Christian? And you know, it, it kind of threw me back a bit. And I'm praying in my heart going, what do I say, Lord? And I says, well, you know, in spite of what I did, God, God's forgiven me. And I can walk. And that was hard because this was someone that was a sister in Christ, you know. And in love, I'm going to say that she just didn't know the full grasp of God's grace and mercy and that his blood covers us completely. That was murder. I hate to say the word. That's just what it was. But even God knew those babies at conception, no matter how they were conceived, he knew them, he knows them, and I believe I'm going to see them again one day because they were conceived. You may not agree with me, but I wholeheartedly believe that. So my, I believe God's desire today for you all is to know that God searches you out. He knows you. He knows every little thing about you, the good, the bad, the ugly, the stuff that we don't want to talk about, the stuff that hurts too too much, the stuff that we're ashamed that we did or thought or said to someone that completely broke them. But he searches us out. He knows every little thing. And then he comes to our rescue because he loves us. And that's the point that I want y'all to know today, that no matter where you are, no matter what you've done, if it's not confessed, get with a friend that you trust. Talk to them about it. Get with Jesus. Talk to him about it. But that he loves us that much to rescue us, to come after us, to say, I'm here for you. I am here to give you new life. I am here to give you purpose, plan, and destiny in spite of anything that you might have done in the dark. We okay? Psalm 103, 8 through 12 says this. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, amen, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. iniquities. Come on. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. That's good news, somebody. Come on. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. 
As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. If there's anyone here today, I don't know if anyone can relate to my story. I know I've told that one one time before and I've had people come up to me and say, hey, I've been through that. I've never shared that with anybody. And if you have and you've never shared it with someone and you need to share it with someone, I'm a good person to talk to. Or maybe there's other people here, your friends. That's a huge weight to carry, y'all. That's a huge weight to carry to take a life like that no matter what the reasons that you have and not to understand that God forgives you if you ask him, if you confess it to him, that he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from all your unrighteousness. So if you've been through that situation like me, I'm more than happy to chat with you about it if you want. And if there's anybody here today who is in another situation that they need to just get out or confess, let's do it today. Let's today be the day where we get things out in the light, where we allow God's light to illuminate our darkness so that he can heal us and he can move us through the rest of our lives with what he has for us so he can move us into freedom and victory and confidence in who we are in him. And if there's anyone here today who is thinking, I don't know about God. I don't know about him being all powerful and omniscient and all that. I don't, I don't know what that means. If you don't know the God who thought about you before the foundations of the world and who created you because he loves you, if you don't know him today, I'm going to encourage you to get to know him today. I'm going to encourage you that today is the day of your salvation. Don't let it go by. Tomorrow is not promised to us, you guys. So if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you have not acknowledged that, let's do it today. Let's do some business with the Lord and just say, yes, Lord. No matter how scared you are, no matter how ashamed you are, whatever, doesn't matter. He draws you up out of the pit. He comes and rescues you from the dark waters. His hand is upon you wherever you go. That is his desire for you. His hand of blessing upon you and to head you in from behind and before. And if you don't know that, let's, let's do it today. Can we pray? I'm just going to pray a quick prayer. And for those of you who already know the Lord, you can can pray along if you'd like. For those of you who would like to meet Jesus today, just pray along with me. Dear Lord, thank you for your love. Thank you that you are powerful that you made this entire universe and that you made me that you made me with intent 
skillfully and with love. Thank you that you know me, every little thing about me, the good, the bad, the ugly. Thank you that you died on a cross for me to forgive my sins. Thank you. I accept your forgiveness and I acknowledge you as Lord. I acknowledge you as King. Jesus, I acknowledge you as God. Take me on the journey that you want me to go on. I surrender my life to you. In Jesus' name. Hope y'all were encouraged somehow today. God is good, isn't he? He's omniscient. He's omnipresent. He's omnipotent. And he's omnibenevolent. Amen. Love you guys. Um, We're looking forward to our next series. The love challenge. Who doesn't want to have a love challenge? That's going to be great. You guys have a great day. Be careful out there in the weather. And uh, God bless you. Thank you.